are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio here at LastWordOnSports.com. We are coming to you just after 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, November 21st, 2022, full-time from the Al-Rayyan Stadium in in Qatar, in Qatar, United States, one Wales, one. Going to be recapping that and looking ahead to the England game for the second match for the USMNT in Group B. But first, let me bring on my co-host, Sean Garmer. Sean, how are you? Uh, Could be better, but doing okay, all things considered. Okay, and then our USMNT intrepid beat writer who is here to bring the fire takes as if he himself were a dragon-breathing fire, Edward Vento. Ed, how's it going? Uh, like Sean said, could be better. Could have been a lot better, but could have been a lot worse. So I'm kind of just going with the flow right now. Okay, so let's start, guys. Obviously, a frustrating night for the United States men's national team who got out to a 1-0 lead late in the first half from Tim Weah. Great transition sequence for the U.S. saw Christian Pulisic slip him in on goal, and then obviously a penalty in the final 10 minutes to see Wales level it through Gareth Bale, drawing the penalty and then converting it. Let's start, I guess, at the top of the order, folks, with the lineup. Matt Turner, a back four of Serginho Dest, Walker Zimmerman, um, Oh, the U.S. has the lineup not in the order that it has, so this might take me a moment. Uh, Tim Ream and then Jedi on the left, MMA in the midfield, um, and then with Tyler Adams captaining the side. And then up front, it would have been Josh Sargent up the middle, Christian Pulisic, and then um, Tim Weah on the right. Ed, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on the initial lineup. Uh, Walk me through what you had in the preview that you posted to our website on Sunday, and what surprised you about just the initial lineup, who started, who was on the bench? Uh, I was pleased with this lineup. Um, I, In my prediction, I had Aaron Long in over Tim Ream, because Greg has kind of latched on to Aaron Long in the past. Same with uh, Jesus Ferreira, who I had starting up top. Other than that, I nailed the lineup. Um, so Sargent being in over Ferreira was a pleasant surprise. And same with Tim Ream. I really was happy that Tim Ream got a chance. And he, I don't want to get ahead of it, but he showed why he deserved a chance. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Sean, I'll come to you. Um, you are, if anybody's going to be a homer about Jesus Ferrer on this podcast, it's going to be you as an FC Dallas fan. Your, your thoughts on the decision at um, forward and looking at what we've seen throughout the center back, um, you know, uh, adventure that Greg Berhalter was on. How happy were you that one Tim Ream made the camp and then ultimately that he fit in the lineup and played so well? Well, I was very happy, and I was very happy that uh, Greg came to his senses and did not start Aaron Long and started Tim Ream instead. Uh, and he, exactly like I had said, he showed why uh, you picked the the class of of Fulham, and the, and then he showed why in the in the U.S. Men's National Team, best defender on the pitch for sure. And then you know, starting Sergeant up front, I think was the best decision. He was the most informed, honestly. Her hasn't played in a month. And the goals he scored for the U.S. national team are against Grenada. I mean, how much can you take from that? So, uh, you know, 
I, I think he did the best. It's the best starting 11 you really could have had considering we didn't know if McKinney and Des were going to start because they were supposedly uh, with some fitness issues. So the fact that they did start, I guess, was was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. I would have liked to see someone that was a little bit more gold. I guess my my real complaint here is that once Wales leveled it with still having a substitution available, that it was Jordan Morris that came on as the center forward for Sargent, and then we ultimately didn't see Gio Reyna in this game, and we didn't see Jesus Ferrer in this game. Uh, Greg might be in full-on galaxy brain, so um, maybe he posts something for the England game that is understandable in terms of trying to manage this. But guys, let's let's get to the first half. The U.S. comes out. Wales clearly defending. I think the U.S. swarmed really well. They did a lot of good stuff on the flanks and everything. I thought Pulisic was extremely influential. That was pleasant to see, given what we saw for him. Well, Chelsea, given the frustrations we've had at times where he's kind of had to hero ball it or felt that he had to hero ball it, but still it was a lot of balls into the box that Josh Sargent is not Haji Wright or what we would aspire to have in a traditional number nine in the air for the United States. And, you know, I guess just my my other key frustration in that was that um, Wales bent a whole lot, but ultimately was able to manage things out. And then, but still, the, the U.S. did a good job of, uh, Gareth Bale did basically nothing until the yellow card that he committed in the second half against Christian Pulisic. Sean, I'll come to your thoughts on how the first half went, the level of dominance, maybe what you wanted to see different in the final third, and go ahead, talk about the goal too. I mean, I think you really couldn't have asked for a better 45 minutes from the U.S. They came out, they were the dominant team, they pressed uh, Gareth Bale and then Wales. They Wales just sat back and let them have possession for almost... I want to say, like, the first 30 minutes, Wales just barely went forward at all. And they were fine with the U.S., like, just giving the ball back to them. Hey, come at us. See if we can get you on the counter. The U.S. were very good. That goes back to Tim Ream being tremendous defensively and uh, Walker Zimmerman. And both just, they didn't try to do some ridiculous pass from the back all the way to the front. They played with everyone well. Tyler Adams was great in that as well. Uh, that pass from Pulisic to Tim Weah for the goal was tremendous, and then Weah with the finish as well. How cool is it that Tim Weah is the first goal scorer for the U.S. in all these years? I mean, if there was anybody who, you know, he could play striker if we actually used him as striker, but he's been playing freaking right wing back at, at Leo all this time. So what do you know? Uh, he's the one that scores. But I agree with you. I don't know why you're crossing into the box for Josh Sarton and when he's not this, you know, tall, Haji Wright, Jordan Peefock guy. Uh, but I guess you also got to – Wales is being defensive, right? They're not going to just let them pass through them and and get it all to beat, right? They got to try to figure out how to, how to get the ball in the box. It just sucked that every time there was a cross in, there was really nobody there to head it on. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I think it's worth pointing out funny. I just logged on to Twitter to see what's happening. And, uh, how is that not a yellow in all caps is, uh, is trending right now. I'm assuming that is in reference to the stoppage time foul from Harry Wilson, but, um, we'll come on to the officiating and that particular play in a little bit. Um, Ed's your thought, your thoughts on the first half. I thought it was, um, you know, I, we knew that the U S was going to have a lot of the ball, but I think this game ultimately came down to, and was going to come down to play in transition and I thought Pulisic showed his best quality and way uh I think the I think the level of composure he showed on that first time shot is something his dad would have been proud of in his prime 
Yeah, um, one of the better first halves I've seen from the U.S. in a long time. Um, we've kind of been really sluggish in first halves, especially through qualifying. Picked it up in the second half and you know kind of scraped out wins, but this time it was unfortunately the other way around. It was a really strong first half, dominated possession. Um, like we, I think we kind of all expected that. I expected that. I, I expected you know, Wales to sit back, which they did. And I kind of wish we could have broken them down a little bit more, um, you know, but you can't ask for too much, I guess. Um, uh, to talk about crosses and not having Josh Sargent, I also don't think we have a ton of players who are good at crossing. Like a lot of crosses from Pulisic and Wea and, and Robinson Dest left a lot to be desired. Um, a lot of times they weren't high enough. Sometimes they were too high so that people couldn't jump up to them. So, and you can't completely take crosses out of your game, but it's just something that I'm kind of like, why is this one of our main focuses when it's just clearly not working? But overall, good half, good first half. Um, left, I think they might have left a goal on the board though. I, I think there's a case that it could have been 2 0 at halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, agree there. Go ahead, John. I was, I was going to bring up, the, like, why are we still having Christian Pulisic be the guy that does the crosses on the corners? When has he actually beaten the first defender in a long time? Yeah, good question there, Sean. You know, that that was the one thing that I was super excited about with Kellen Acosta coming into the game because I feel like this, and you know, going back all of World Cup qualifying and, heck, the Gold Cup final, what, 100 and whatever minutes against Walker Zimmerman, he's been the most effective dead ball um, specialists that we've had. I'll say at least indirect free kicks. I would not want Kellen Acosta trying to bend something over a wall or go under the wall like Messi's probably going to do to Mexico tomorrow. But, um, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point, Ed. I think the, like, that was the natural, that was the natural progression of our response to our inability to break whales down going through the front door of, oh, there's no space up the middle because they're jamming up the box and everything. Let's get it out wide to where we have space and where we have the better wide players and everything. Pulisic gets it. Is he able to get past the defender or break his man and everything? But then, you know, Wales has, what, eight, nine guys in the box minimum, not counting the goalkeeper. I, I don't think Gareth Bale was on a defensive header, you know, inside the six yard box at any point during this game but it's kind of like that was the natural progression because we didn't have anything else really going forward and I think that's in that regard I think that's extremely emblematic of where this team is just at we saw it in the last international window against Japan We've seen it regularly against CONCACAF competition to where um, if the team's able to hold up defensively and you don't have somebody else who's truly threatening um, from a center forward standpoint, you know, who needs a lot of service, who, you know, I, I was never convinced that Josh Sargent was going to score in this game unless we drew a penalty and then Sargent was the one taking the penalty. And even then I'd have three or four other people taking the pen before him taking it. And so in that regard, I'm not, you know, th there's no sense of threat, no sense of danger in that regard. Um, that does give me a little bit of concern against Iran but if Iran's given up six goals to England I gotta think we should at least be able to get two and I'm not sure I think our defense would be a little bit more organized than you know Harry Maguire was and everything so I feel better about that game but you know I just and you know that's just it continues to be a concern that I have and especially if the U.S. makes it to a knockout game, I think there's going to be another point where at least for 15 minutes they're going to have the majority of the ball and they're going to need to try and create something and the 
lack of execution in the first half in that phase of the attack continues to give me concern about this team. But um, let's come on to it, guys. I was at a local sports bar here in Denver, got to try and get a sense of the emotions of that. And I had my laptop on and I luckily snagged a table next to one of the pillars they have where an outlet. So my tablet, and my phone were charged and everything. Um and I'll come to you first. USMNT Twitter was not happy with the officiating crew. Um, I should say the official is the one local representation we have from the host. So he's in a Qatari official. Um, and he was really card happy and he was inconsistent. I think ultimately it was fair in terms of the 90 minutes. I thought it was a penalty. Um, I thought for the most part, he was fair on what a yellow card was, but I thought he was really trigger happy. I think that slowed the game down. I think that frustrated the U.S. and everything. And I don't think Christian Pulisic was protected in the same way that Gareth Bale was. Yeah, uh, I also was at a sports bar watching with some friends, a big group of people, and everyone kind of had the same sentiment around the officiating. We all, you know, booed anytime there was a bad, you know, a yellow card. I I think he was too quick to get the cards out. I I think the challenges from Destin McKinney specifically – I was like, eh, like I was like, you should get, you should warn them first. They weren't yellow card challenges, in my opinion. Um, but then again, he he did come around and s- same thing for Wales. There were a couple of cards that I was like, eh, maybe not. So I guess if you're bad for both teams, and at the end of the day, you 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 officiated fair because poor calls against us, poor calls that went in our favor. So I can't really blame the officiating too much, but it was just frustrating to watch. Sean, any any thoughts you have on the officiating on the whole of the 90 minutes? I thought for the most part, it kind of played itself out. Um, yeah, definitely Walker's room penalty to penalty. I mean, he took him out. It's, uh, there was really nothing he could, he could, he have tried to stay with him a little bit more before he just did the lunge uh, as a first reaction. Maybe, but we're talking hindsight 2020 there. I think he just did with his first instinct, and unfortunately, it took Bale down. I think you could also make a case that uh, Bale, Musa got a phantom foul that was the one that Bale got, because he clearly got all the ball, and Musa just did a really good job of selling it. And then, uh, you know, same thing for the ones on Dest and McKinney. Nico Williams made them look a lot worse than they actually were, and I think the, the ref bought it, which is unfortunate because you don't really need especially McKinney having to go into that game against England, worrying about getting that second yellow. Um, the one on Tim Ream was clearly fair. That was a professional foul. And, you know, so it's like, uh, and I think Robinson could have got one, but he, you know, that's one of those times where it was weird. He warned him instead of just clearly giving the, the yellow card. So it was inconsistent, but I think after a while, like Ed says, it does kind of play itself out. Um, officiating is, you can't blame the officiating for why, the u.s drew this game yeah absolutely i agree the officiating didn't have a factor in the end where i guess i would push back a little bit on you know if you're bad for both teams but then also card happy you know if that happens in one game in a 34 game season you're just on that end of the spectrum for the officials it balances out on the whole if we're talking about yellow card accumulation after five yellows over the course of a 30 plus game season we're talking about a world cup right now and you know you're looking at the u.s has four players than right now have to be worried about getting a yellow card if they want to be available for a run. And if I'm just looking at it, the way that Kellen Acosta is with his poop housery and everything, and the way that Weston McKenney is a gamer, like the odds that, you know, if I had to bet right now, if you told me that both of those guys play 
180 minutes to the rest of the group stage, the odds that neither of them get a yellow card for a potential knockout stage game in the round of 16, I think it's pretty low. And so that's where I think that's unfair to kind of set that precedent in the first game as well of that. And then to give all those yellows, and now that's a massive factor that uh, those players have to be thinking about for this game and for the final group stage game as well. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how the referee is in terms of his English. Sort of your point, uh, Sean, about the communication and everything. I think there was a similar one. I want to say it was on Davies for Wales, where he was given just a stern talking to in the first half, but not given a yellow card when the U.S. wanted it. But then similarly, um, I think it was the Dest foul on Nico Williams. I think the first yellow card of the game, like he's immediately given the yellow and doesn't even have the, you know, the conversation whatsoever. So I think regardless of the level of English comprehension or maybe the fact that he's a little bit confused hearing uh, British accents on some of the U.S. players who were talking about Anthony Robinson or some of the Welsh players who, um, I don't know, how much you guys have been watching welcome to Wrexham. there's a few people on that show that i think have needed the subtitles so um communication could have been better i think in terms of both um you know talking before giving a yellow card and maybe what he was saying was making sense but um the players seem to be both players on both teams seem to be very very upset with him and i think if you're fair but both teams are upset with you that shows that you've missed the line in one remark and in that regard i thought just he was too card happy um let's go on to the second half guys um Ed Wales comes out and I think understandably has a response. Kiefer Moore on for Dan James, who was pretty much useless in the first half, playing up top with Gareth Bale. They start to get a little bit more control on the game. The U.S. has to deal with some nervous moments, but Tim Ream has things under control. Walker Zimmerman's winning things in the air. Nothing for Matt Turner to really deal with before that ball that he tips over the bar. Um, were you surprised with that? Were you upset that Greg didn't change something to kind of deal with that sooner by, let's say, by the 65th minute? Yeah, I think that right there just hit the nail on the head for me. Um, why he wasn't willing to adapt to to what Wales brought. I mean, we should have figured if we were the first ones to score, Wales were going to have to change what they were doing. They were going to have to press more. They were going to have to attack. And then if, if they were the first ones to score, you know, we were going to have to change a little bit, but not as much because we wanted to come out and open up the game. So. I was very frustrated that we just sat, we essentially parked the bus for 45 minutes and we shouldn't have been doing that and we should have stuck to our game. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was working up until the moment that we'll get to <laughs> eventually. <laughs> but for the most part, it, it worked and then it all fell apart in the end. But yeah, just frustrated that Greg's inability to, maybe not inability, but unwilling to change the tactics around. Yeah. Sean, were you upset that, uh, that, that triple G went with, uh, you know, pulled a, a Garris Southgate, would you like to seen him go more? No risk it, no biscuit. Or, you know, was there uh, for me, I guess I wouldn't have wanted to see the U S continue to go out and do what they were doing in the first half. Cause I think Kiefer Moore and Gareth Bale in transition would have still been dangerous, but a little bit more balance. And that's where for me, maybe the youthful naivete of this team came out and manifested itself in the worst way. I think there was a part of it that they were a bit gassed. Uh, you saw it with guys getting cramped towards the 60 minutes as well. So there's partly in that. Um, you know, supposedly, according to Greg, Giorena had some tightness and he was worried about him getting something 
uh, before the England game. So I think that's why you saw Jordan Morris instead of him, which that was kind of the one that was like, why? You know, um, the other ones, you know, Aaron's is the perfect one to bring on. Uh, I think Haji Wright in that instance where you need, when you're just like trying to kick the ball forward and see if you can get something going. I mean, he's better at that than, than Pereira. I mean, would I have loved for them to continue it going? I think it's hard when you're trying to make sure Wales doesn't get you caught on the counter, and then you're also trying to see if you can get something going as well. I, I just think that they weren't completely able to just get another really good chance after that. It just They gave it all in the first half, and I think they kind of had to pull back some in the second half because if they would have kept going like that, they would have been completely gassed, and then Wales could have just feasted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I don't. Again, Sean, maybe there's a bigger picture that will come to light in terms of the lineup that we see for England as well. But I mean, if there's a game to risk Gio Reyna in to try and get a goal, that you know, because you have to figure seeing now. Maybe you don't think about this going to the actual day of, but I had to think that they were at least aware of every single team on the U, every single person on the U.S. knew at the time of the kickoff that England beat Iran two six to two. So you have to think that's a game that we have to be able to win. We're going to be able to score multiple goals, even without our best lineup. So you have to think we win this game and immediately like we've got like we've got the path paid for us as well, regardless of even if we lose to England. And now obviously with this draw, now we're having a similar conversation to what we probably did in 2014 with the group stage against Portugal, where you're looking at it in, you know, in terms of, is it, does it come down to goal difference? And, you know, are we thinking about, let's just try to not get shellacked by England. And we potentially have to blow out Iran at the same time that Wales is trying to not get blown out by England. And maybe England's already qualified if they win their, if they beat us as well, they've got six points. So I think just to not risk you to not have geo and look, maybe Gio's going to start, but then come off at halftime against, um, uh, against England, for example. And, and maybe it turns out that Gio is the perfect matchup for something that Berhalter sees with Iran. So, but, you know, to not have him, I think was frustrating. I guess with that, guys, let's go to the other substitutions. I think we can all agree. I, I would have liked to seen it a few minutes earlier, but Brendan Aronson on for Weston McKinney, I think was the right decision. McKinney probably not 90 minutes fit, but then let's come to the triple sub, sub in the 74th, 75th. I'll go to you, Sean, first. Acosta on for Musa in the midfield. Yedlin on for Dest, who was on a yellow card, and then Haji Wright on for Sargent. Um, you know, does is that right? Google's saying uh, it's Haji Wright. It had to be Jordan Morris, right? <laughs> no. Um, so the one for no Morris De- was on, Morris was on for Wea in the eighty eight. Yeah, so maybe that's exactly. right. Okay, the Go one ahead, for uh, Dest didn't make sense to me. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin, if you're saying that he's your best defender, that's a bit scary to me. Uh, out of the three that you have, I don't know why you wouldn't have tried to keep it going at least in a semblance of trying to replicate what Dest does with either Shaq Moore or go a little bit young, naive with Joe Scally. Because Yedlin, when he's coming on going forward, he didn't provide anything. And in fact, the one time that he had the ability to really try to open it up, he has to like double shot it. And like, apparently, I guess he got freaked out that he had that much space and he didn't know what to do with it. So like, that is, that is what bothered me is you're putting on the guy that, Hasn't played in a while just because, oh, he's the experienced one. And I don't know. I just feel like you should have gone with the guys that had a better chance replicating Dust. I, you know, the Morris thing, 
We don't know, again, with Gio Reyna. Um, could you probably have picked somebody else for the midfield? Is, does he not think Luca De La Torre is fit enough or something? Uh, um, I didn't, I didn't quite understand the, uh, why you have to have Acosta there either, unless he's saying, okay, we're either going to see this out, try to hold on for one nil or the one, one draw at that point, which like, why wouldn't you try to put somebody on? that can give you a little bit of pace, a little bit of something in the midfield to get something going uh, creatively to, to try to get that goal. Mm-hmm. Ed, you already expressed your frustration with um, Burhalter's initial plan for the second half, how the U.S. reacted. What were you most frustrated with once we got 20 minutes into the second half and kind of knew what Wales was doing with how Burhalter pivoted again? Um, just to touch on the subs, I I've heard that Gio Reyna said that he is 100% fit. But I've also heard that Greg Berhalter said that they wanted to make sure that he was good to go versus England and that he had picked up a knock in training. So it's kind of like a, you know, he said, he said thing. Like, I guess we'll never really know. But I didn't hate the Yedlin sub, but my fear now is that so I was on the train of let's bring in Slonina as our third goalie because the third goalie's not going to play. So let's get a young guy in there, a young goalie in there to experience a World Cup. I now think that that's what Greg did with Scally. He brought essentially brought in Scally, a young guy, to get experience in a camp. I'd be shocked if Scally got more than 20, 30 minutes, depending on how deep we go. So... That's disappointing. I would have liked to have seen Scally. Um, but other than that, I, I don't mind Acosta. He, boy, that yellow card he picked up saved saved a point for us, honestly. Like, that was a huge veteran play. And then Aronson for McKinney was the right move. So I, I didn't really hate any of the subs. Unless Gio Reyna is actually fit, then I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um. So on, on that news, Ed, uh, I think we better be seeing uh, Gio better be starting. And I look forward to him getting a hat trick in a three 0 victory over the three lions. But, um, you know, let's come on to the final 10 minutes, guys. I think this went the typical way of just like KG can't afford to lose the this game went according to script for me. If you're talking about first game of the group between the two teams that are probably it's them. It's one or the other in terms of getting out of the group. England's going to win the group. We know Iran's not going to make it as well. <clears throat> and so one team leads and inherently the other one starts to park the bus and it just turns into a KG tactics free zone of individual matchups trying to break somebody down and ball in the box. Who's going to ultimately end up winning it? That did not surprise me. Um, I think that, you know, we've already talked about what we thought about the subs and what could have affected things differently in terms of the U.S.'s ability to transition once they actually broke pressure. But let's come on to the penalty. Ball into the box. Walker Zimmerman battling with Gareth Bale for it. I think it's pretty clear he gets the ball. I think it's also pretty clear that Walker Zimmerman goes through Bale in order to win the ball from a position where Bale's already established himself between Zimmerman and Bale. Sean, you already said it, but I'll I'll throw it to you. No questions. There's a penalty, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a penalty. It's, It's just horrendous defending. I mean, I just... I couldn't believe it. I mean, Gareth Bale's not even facing the goal. Like, I'd understand that kind of tackle if he had already been facing the goal and 
maybe he's going to volley it on goal or try to fake a shot and then shoot. And and Walker Zimmerman's been one of our steadiest center backs, so it was so shocking to see a just a a potential you know World Cup like hanging in the balance type play right there. If we don't get out of the group, we're going to look back at that play and think that could be the one that sealed our fate. So it was just. I'm not going to kill the guy over it. I don't think he should maybe, I don't think he should be taken out of the lineup, but it was just, oh, it's just one of those stand. I'm sure he'll be the first one to say, you know, he'll put his hand up. So, I mean, yeah, it was clearly a penalty and it was just so frustrating to see it unfold. Yeah, seeing a bunch of people on on my timeline um, saying Walker Zimmerman should never play for the United States ever again. I'll be unfollowing and probably muting them for at least the next couple of weeks, probably. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's not fair. What that's toxic USMNT Twitter is upset that we were up one nil and then ended up getting a draw? You don't say! Oh my yeah. god, uh, it's uh, it's the Wando moment. All over again. Oh God, no! Don't oh, don't don't no. trigger so, me, Sean. We're not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> Moving on. So we get to the actual penalty. So once I saw the third time replay, which I did not see until after the goal was actually scored, I was initially very surprised that there wasn't a longer delay, or ultimately that VAR wasn't involved in that. But once I saw the third replay and really that angle that shows that, I thought it was pretty obvious. To to your point, Ed, I agree with you. He doesn't need to do that right there. Just stay up against, you know, don't like push on him, but like stay like hands on the back, keep your pressure, and then just really wait for him to turn one way or the other, and then just go with him and you've probably got a block shot and you're totally fine. Or he passes it out, in which case the line moves up. So completely unnecessary. I'm sure Walker Zimmerman has already apologized and taken responsibility for that in the locker room. I know quotes can be a little bit late with the way that media availability is, and I'm not sure with the stadium and everything. Usually, there are plenty of times where we don't get quotes until a couple hours after full time, and sometimes there's a lot of stuff that doesn't actually get transposed um, until the morning after. So I'm, I'm sure somebody has commented on Zimmerman taking seriously that action and using it as a learning moment for um, when he gets in a similar situation with Harry Kane's back to goal in two, three days time. Um, and then obviously, I I was... <sighs> I wanted to believe that Matt Turner was going to be able to stop it because he had made that previous save. He's been a gamer and everything. He guesses right. But, you know, Gareth Bale picks his, you know, picks his spot out and then blasts it with that kind of speed. Um, I think there's maybe one or two goalkeepers at this World Cup that would have stopped it with the way that he ends up placing it. But then we get into the final, what, seven minutes at that point of regulation time, folks. And was it eight, nine minutes by the end of it um, in terms of extra time? And I just thought at that point it was it was tactics free zone and the U.S. was a chicken with his head cut off. I thought they had the ball in really good areas, but in transition, but just weren't able to deal with that. Is that physical exhaustion? Is that nervousness with the moment? I'm not entirely sure. Sean, what did you kind of see? Or is this just chaos at the end of a World Cup game that was ultimately going to end in a draw? Yeah, um... Part of me was hoping to God that it ends in a draw and it doesn't end in Wales scoring again or something. But um, uh, no, I I kind of felt it felt to me like once that goal went in, okay, this is this is gonna be it. Like I just never had that moment when you had the final subs come in and Jordan Morris come in, and it's like you never had that moment of oh damn, there was one, there was that one. There was never that moment because like we're doing that trying to get the ball in. It's not happening. They got everybody behind the ball at that point. Like You're just playing in a Wells' hands at that point. It just wasn't um, – I just never felt it was going to come, and I'm just glad that it kind of ended there and it didn't get worse. Um, 
But it just sucks because it feels like you gave away two points. And when the only thing that, yes, they had more shots on target than the U.S., but, like, the way that you score is on the is on a penalty, it's like, oh, my God, that's that's all you gave away, and you really could have come away with a one nil or more, and it just sucks to see when you know what's ahead of you, right? When, when you know you got the big behemoth ahead of you, but um, honestly, I, I feel like you shouldn't be that down, because I don't think we're going to be getting the Iran shellacking that that happened today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just to give a quick stack for you there, folks, uh, I'm pulling this up on FOTMOB for reference, so don't shoot me if somebody else has this different. Um, total shots, US 6, Wales 7, big chances 2 to 3, not sure how they count that. Um, shots on, I don't have shots on goal, so maybe those shots are shots on goal, I'm not sure. But then the US XG is 0.79, that's lower than I would have expected, but then Wales was 1.55, but I think it's officially, I think it's just under 8 for that, so if you're talking about 0.8 virtually for the U.S. versus 0.7 for Wales. But when you consider the game state and everything, the fact that the U.S. did their damage in the first half and had those chances, I'm not necessarily surprised at those um, at those particular stats. But to, to look at it, um, again, Sean, to your point about sh- shooting opportunities, it was a couple lifeless headers from inside the six and then two really long shots from outside the box and like the u.s had stuff from like all over you know their their shooting map their heat map was a little bit more reasonable um whereas wales was very much a lump something into the box and then have somebody barely get ahead to something that was ultimately dealt with and then something from long distance that was never going in um so i i think to your point you know that that's what made it particularly frustrating um let's come on to stoppage time ed i'll, I'll ask you two questions um how big of a yellow card was that by kellen acosta to stop a a buzzer beater from midfield um and we've seen it be a lot of extra time in this world cup and i'm concerned about that yeah that 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 yellow card like i said with Walker Zimmerman's penalty. If we get out of the group, we could look back at Kellen Acosta's yellow card and be like, that is the play that kept us alive in this group. Because Matt Turner was pretty much at the halfway line, um, came out to punch the ball away, and then Wales won it back, and he wasn't even close to the box. So all he would have to have done, I can't remember who it was on the ball. I don't think it was Bale, but all whoever it was would have had. Oh, hey, it was done. Bale. It was Bale's oh, okay. yeah. So all Bale would have had to do is just chip it, chip it down there, two one, game over. So thank you, Kellen Acosta, for that. Um yeah, a ton of stoppage time too. This honestly should have gone longer than it did. Wales was very conkacappy. I gotta give him credit. They every player was falling down at the slightest touch, the slightest of pain. So it was a very CONCACAF stoppage time, and I thought it was going to go at least 12 minutes. The, it, the ticker said nine, but every time they fell, I was like, oh, there's another minute. There's another half minute. So I think the ref blew his whistle a little early. I'm not saying we got screwed out of anything. I just felt like it was going to go a little longer. Yeah, Wales absolutely showed their gamesmanship. I think in terms of the the ticky tack fouls, you know, we talked about it earlier. I think once they realized that when they had opportunities to get away with some hits on 
on Christian Pulisic that they were going to be able to get away with it. And I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a Fulham fan for listeners who don't know and everything. So if any one of us is going to give an objective measure on Dan James and Harry Wilson, who are the starting wingers for Fulham right now, Dan James was crap in the first half and Harry Wilson. Absolutely. He did stuff that CONCACAF absolutely would be proud of. He'd fit in perfectly with Mexican national team, mouthing off to the referee and everything, complaining about not getting a throw in, refusing to give the ball to Jedi Robinson, his Fulham teammate in order to waste time for that throw in going down hurt oh we need the stretch and everything oh i'm fine now i can get up i'll come back in and everything so um credit to wales i'd be saying absolutely right now guys that if uh if uh if turner makes that stop against uh gareth bale on the penalty and then immediately all the u.s players start doing what wales did i would have said well done super good gamesmanship um the official had lost control of that game and of both teams and the emotions well before that and that's more on him than i than it is i think wales being less than gentlemanly or trying to to take advantage of the moment but um sean anything you want to say about that or shall we turn big picture to look at what this means for england uh, I mean, I think it's pretty stamp. We've seen uh, well, what happened in the England game today. 24 minutes of uh, injury time has been the two halves. I mean, I think they're like getting literal with the injury time now. It's like they're literally clocking the time and going, okay, they were down for like 10 minutes, so we got to give the whole 10 minutes back. Not like what you see most of the time in club games where they're like, they half that and they go, okay, we'll give you five minutes or whatever. It's it's crazy the amount of injury time we've seen already in, in these games uh, for the World Cup. So. It's like get ready, strap in to play an extra 10, 15 minutes sometimes. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, watching Wales in stoppage time felt like I was watching like at El Salvador or something. Like (laughs) the way they were falling over. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I look forward, guys, to um, to Neymar being responsible for five minutes of extra time against Serbia on Thursday, all on his own. But let's turn to this and what we look to for the England game, folks. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier on the pod, but um, Iran ended up losing earlier today um, by a score of six to two. All six goals coming from England without Harry Kane getting on the score sheet, and then effectively two garbage time goals from Iran as well. Gareth Southgate didn't seem too happy from that, but. Um, Rashford, Saka, super dynamic in transition. They did good stuff on set pieces. I think this is the feel-good moment that I think England needed, given where I think the emotions are around their camp and um, certainly being upset and frustrated with Gareth Southgate when they score the first goal and then decide to shut up shop. So the fact that they got six goals was certainly encouraging for them. Um Ed, the United States is a better team than Iran. I think our defense is certainly better. I think we've actually found a gem of a center back at 35-year-old. I I think Tim Ream had two birthdays during this game, so he's 37 now. Um, He looks fantastic. Um, And ultimately, I think the U.S. is going to be willing to give England the ball. England's going to have the ball, and we're going to do good stuff in transition. Talk to the panic-attacking USM&T fan right now and tell them why the U.S. isn't going to lose 6-2 on Black Friday. The U.S. isn't going to lose 6-2 on Black Friday because they are faster than Iran. They are younger than Iran. They have better defenders. They have a better goalie. They have better attackers. I mean, Taremi, I don't want to disrespect him. He's very good for Iran. But up and down, top to bottom, every position, I would say the U.S. is pretty much better. So I, I think we can definitely give England a fight. When has the U.S. ever been one to shy away from a challenge like this? We have never lost to England in a World Cup. We are 1-1-0. Let's not forget that. 
Um, so I think there's reason to believe. It's like Ted Lasso, man. There is reason to believe. Just just tap the little sign, and we can we can accomplish anything. So I'm not going to come out and predict a win, but I'm going to come out and say that we're not going to lose six to two. Sean, what, what do you see? Okay, um, give me two things that you want to see that the U.S. needs to change or affect. This could be lineups. This could be tactics. This could just be emphasis from Greg Berhalter that you think needs to happen for the U.S. to get a draw, at least on. on. Uh, I think uh, definitely, hopefully, we see Giorena play from the beginning because I think he's the most creative of everyone that could really give uh, England some fits, honestly. Um, I wouldn't be if, let's say, you know, you're going to change a lot of it, maybe start Aronson as well to, I don't know how you fit that in, but maybe get him if, if maybe Musa is not 100% because he looked like he was, it was a bit more than gas for him there at the end, but we'll see when that, when it comes. But honestly, I have no problem if they try to go out and do the same thing they did in the first 30 minutes of this game. It's just... I think this is the thing. This game, this team is young and fearless. You have all these Premier League players that have something to prove against uh, these other Premier League players. And, and look at Christopher List is going to have, he's going to want to have one heck of a game. I think this, they could definitely take it to England. I don't think we should be worried about getting a 6-2. I think we should be very, rather, I think, I would be disappointed if we don't if we're not in some kind of contention for a draw for most of this game because definitely better than Iran, but also we're not super defensive like they are. So yeah, I, I think just I'm not disappointed at all by the US other than the fact that we gave away that penalty. I think if we can replicate a lot of what we saw in this game against England, I think you what what are you uh, afraid of? I think we have a chance to take it to them. Yeah, no, I think this is the more free hitty one of the things. Um, if I were to just answer my own question on this, because I have, I was thinking a different answer from what both of you two gave. I think just the how many times have we heard Greg Berhalter say after a big win that was based on energy and focus or a disappointing result in World Cup qualification that was based on a lack of energy or being outmatched by the opponent in that regard was just him saying so much of what we do comes down to intensity. If we come out and we are the more intense team, we will beat almost every team that we're more talented than in CONCACAF and intensity on its own, even when there's injuries or other issues, can single-handedly propel us to results over Mexico. And we saw that I think the for me, the, like the, the two halves were a tale of two halves of intensity where the U.S. came out. They were the better team. Um, Wales gradually grew into the second half. And if at any point with either the triple subs that we saw in the 75th minute or what have you or Aronson coming on, that had led to a massive swing in the intensity. I think the U.S. absolutely finds a way to get out of this game 1-0. And if the U.S. beats England on intensity, it should easily be a nil-nil scoreline at halftime and if they continue to match them or beat them on intensity i think they will have an opportunity to win this game because as you just mentioned sean there's so many ways in which they match up better than england from what england's key weaknesses are and certainly way better than what iran was unable to give against england as well i'm also not going to predict a win um I, i'll bite both of your arms off i'll bite all six of our arms off collectively right now for a nil nil or a one one i'm expecting a loss on friday but maybe a positive performance in the right direction that's going to set them up for hopefully having success against iran on tuesday um but i think just this was a 
uh, an unfortunate reminder of how important intensity is and will need to be. And I think if they're aware of that through 90 minutes on Friday, they'll give themselves a very good chance against England. And I think if they're aware on that going into Iran, they should be able to, they should be able to score enough goals to the point where intensity is no longer the single biggest factor in Iran trying to come back and not lose that game. Um, guys, let's do, let's do lineup predictions. I'll start with you, Ed. So I think... The back line, I would imagine, will be unchanged. Um, I think it'll be Turner, Dest, Reem, Robin, or Reem, Zimmerman, Robinson. Um, I think the midfield is probably going to be changed. I would not be surprised if it, if Musa and McKinney are both taken out. I like, I would not be shocked, but also that's if we want to attack. So I'm going to say we don't want to do that. And I'm going to say it's Reyna, McKinney, and Adams. And then I think it will be Pulisic, Wea, and I think this is where Sargent will have a better game. So I'm going to say he puts Sargent in again and gives him one more shot. Sean, your lineup. Uh, okay. Uh, I think the back four should probably remain unchanged. Um, then you have, I think, man, it's tough because I don't know if he's going to try to start Aronson there or he's, because he's, he hasn't had a propensity to start Reyna in the midfield three at all. So I think maybe he tries to go with a Adams. Musa double pivot and then maybe has Aronson a little bit above them and then maybe he takes out Weya and Petrina. Um I'd love to see Weya just start at striker, but that's not gonna happen. Uh you have Reyna you know, playing in the championship English. Uh hopefully he I don't think I don't think Sargent did anything to not Maristar. And in fact, remember the, the one hitter that did go somewhere, he hit it off the post. So, uh, you know, but I, I, I think that's what we're going to see. You're going to, I think and, you're definitely going to see Reyna, maybe Aaron Sargent. And Sargent helped set up that goal. So yeah. I, I don't think he did anything to warrant being taken out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go, um, same back four, same in goalkeepers. You guys, I would, um, I would go Adams, McKenney, and Aronson to start. I think pressing is going to be really important and just disrupting everything. And I think you tell, I tell Aronson, you're going 60, 65 at the most. Make the central midfielders for England make their lives an absolute living hell. Um, I would tell him to do that for those same reasons. I think, I still think Sargent is our best presser up top. So I would actually start Sargent. And then if we're going into attacking in terms of it's a close game that you can win in the final minutes, that's when I would pivot to Jesus Ferrer potentially. Um, and that's what I would also bring on Geo if we're believing, you know, Ed, what you said earlier about maybe a disconnect between is Geo fit, is Geo not fit. Um, if Geo's starting, I'd be totally fine with that. I wouldn't be opposed to way of starting again because he was great in transition on the goal. So I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to stick with Sergeant. So I'm going to say Sergeant up top, Christian Pulisic on the on the left and then. I'm going to say uh, if he's good to go, I, w- I would say, Gio, you're going and then probably subbing him off as and then subbing him up for 
Wea, and then my first guy off the bench in the midfield would absolutely be Kellen Acosta, based on what I'm saying of having Aronson there. But um, we'll see. Um, guys, do we do we feel like doing predictions at all for for the England game? All right, Sean, what's your prediction? Friday, Black Friday, seventeen seventy six. Uh, my birthday too. Uh, so two two. I'll go with that. Who scores the goals, and in what order? Oh. Give me a Pulisic getting a goal and Pulisic and Sargent. Ed? You know what? I didn't come on this to be tame. I'm saying 3-2 United States. Christian Pulisic, 87th minute game winner against a ton of his teammates. He lifts his shirt up and it says it's called soccer and and Twitter crashes. Elon Musk gets what he wants. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I, I just I had actually had a good feeling about that specific game the last few the few days because I was like, we don't have the amount of pressure that the English national team has on us. I mean now we have more pressure, but like you said, we're young, we're feisty, we can just come out and play however we want. They have the expectations of winning the World Cup that we don't. So mm. I I just something's something's telling me we're gonna do it again. I think also you gotta remember Iran could knew they could just throw this game away. And yeah. they still had Wales and they have what is really for them their biggest game, which is the US at the end. Mm-hmm. Like that is the game that they, they have probably been told, like, you guys gotta win that game. You know, you got, and if you're going in with both of them having a chance to get to the next round, can you imagine how better that would feel for them if they're the ones that, you know, pull that knocking the U.S. out? So I feel like we haven't really gotten to see, like, what is England going to deal with when it's the team you're playing against really wants to go at you and they have to win too. So different deal there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was talking at the bar earlier today, Sean, uh, and we made a joke that the um, that that final match day that we have for Group B has there ever been a World Cup match day that had like greater geopolitical implications given what's happened historically and recently between the two teams that are playing as well. Given you know, I with all due respect, what's what's happening in Iran right now as well, and generally the U.S.'s approach to um, international geopolitics in the Middle East, and I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the rule is that if Wales beats England, like Wales is just independent as a result. Like, I think Gareth Bale should be able to walk up to King Charles and say, we're independent. I am the king of Wales now. Deal with it. So um, but we're we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Um, uh, I want to I agree. There's I think it's fitting the stat that we have that the U.S., has never lost to England in the World Cup, albeit all of two games. But there was mysticism and weirdness and what we thought was going to happen and was absolutely expected is absolutely would not happen. Uh, Clint Dempsey with the lousiest goal that the U.S. has ever scored in a World Cup. And then obviously, I would argue, one of the most famous upsets in the history of the World Cup with Joe Gagins in 1950, you know, Skip McDermott cover and everything. And then the video they actually have doesn't actually have the whole sequence. It's just the reaction as well with to the extent that there were tv cameras in brazil in 1950 um 
that being said, I'm picking with my head instead of my heart since uh, since Ed went full head. Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 to England in this one, and I think the U.S. will score when it is 2-0 to England at the time. I think Harry Kane opens up his Qatar um, scoring, uh, his, his Qatar account. I think uh, Raheem Sterling scores as well, and I think Christian Pulisic will score, but ultimately we end up losing... Um, Losing that one. Guys, anything else that we want to say or shall we get out of here? We're just under an hour right now. So <laughs> I I do want to say that I, I have a quote here from Gio Reyna talking about the extent of his injury. It said, I feel really good. I feel great. I feel fine. And he was asked if Burhalter communicated you know, why he wasn't used. He said, Burhalter doesn't have to tell me why he didn't put me in or why he does, but I'm a hundred percent. I'm good to go. Just okay. a little food for thought there. <laughs> that, that's, okay. a, that's a professional right there. I mean, yes, that is. I, I'd, I'd want to hear the tone on that. Like, was there a, yeah, like, you know, like, yeah. was there, was there some, was it very matter of fact of, okay, he just didn't thought that I was the guy for, the right answer it, did, he, did he not think i was the right solution for the game at the time or was it a little like peeved of like him saying like what let me respond to this with a tone that makes somebody in the media ask about it that forces greg to call me into his office so that we can have a conversation um and again maybe maybe it turned if, if geo's starting against england regardless of how we end up getting there as well then i have significantly less complaints about the decision to not play him in this game but so um thank you ed for our um for the quick quote that we have out there sean any last words or shall we get out of here i think that's it this is good all right uh listeners i want to thank you for listening to us and i want to remind you of our two sponsors roughneck scarves are an official scarf supplier of mls usl and u.s soccer merchandise get your custom scarves neck gaiters or masks for your group team or office at roughneckscarves.com r-u-f-f in case you're wondering and then in the spirit of wearing an all generic white kit at a world cup um if you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates you get from the big boys um you can get a unique and completely custom kit for your youth team sunday league squad adult or even pro team icarus fc can help you design the kit of your dreams at an affordable price their motto is literally any design you want seriously end quote so let them design the kit of your dreams at an affordable price today at icarusfc.com listeners thank you very much for joining us continue to enjoy the world cup and hopefully we'll see you after a, a good result uh day after turkey day